everybody. It's good to be here. Good to be with you all. It makes my day every time I get to hang out with you guys. So thank you guys so much for coming out. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about Habakkuk or Habakkuk or however you want to pronounce that word. Um, and I was, as I was reading this uh, earlier, I came to a, a thought that Habakkuk is like a state of, uh, it's like sometimes we get into a state of mind like we're anxious or we're uh, nervous or happy or sad. I mean, it's like a state of mind. So when I was reading this, it came to my mind that uh, at that time, Habakkuk's region, which is Judah, was in a state of destruction, a state of uncertainty, a state of uh, unclarity. They didn't know what was going to happen. They were getting attacked and all this other stuff. So many evils was going on in that world and, and so many uh, uh, extortions, you know, taking their money. And I mean, it was just all kind of stuff. And the reason why it caught my attention so, quick, so quickly was is the extortion and thievery, which, of course, is money through forced or threatened ways, dishonest dealings, murder and corruption, disgraceful acts towards people, animals, and the environment, and the devotion to idolatry. And I don't know about you, but when I was reading that, it was the United States all over. I mean, it was just like, oh my goodness. I mean, Habakkuk was talking about the United States right there. I just know it. But it was just, it was just so, so in my face to where all these things was going on and all these bad things was going on. And God was talking to him, and Habakkuk took these concerns he had, and he took them to God. I mean, it's, I mean it, sometimes I feel like my concerns or my worries or, I mean, I know we're not supposed to worry, but, you know, I'm human. I do that. Um, so I take my worries and stuff like that and try to keep them all to myself and say, you know what? God's got this. He's going to take care of it. But God says he wants to hear our worries. He wants to hear our concerns. He wants to have that, that intimate relationship that he knows what you're worried about. And if you don't take the time to, you know, bring that to him and say, you know, God, I'm worried about this. I'm concerned about this. I mean, I'm very concerned about the United States right now. I mean, things are going to happen. Things are happening. And I also know that it's going to get worse because, you know, that's what God tells us in Revelation. And, and I hear this, uh, this quote all the time. Well, it is what it is. And sometimes I have a hard time believing because sometimes I think to myself, well, it is what it is, but God... You know, God can make uh, what it seems to be very clearly the exact opposite of what you think it is. So a lot of times when I hear that, when I hear somebody say, well, it is what it is and throw their hands up in the air, I kind of think, is it? You know, is it really? Because I know that in this state of mind, this state that the United States is in is, uh, I mean, we're on, we're on a road to destruction. We know that. We know what's happening. And we know that there was nothing we can do to stop it. It's just going to happen. That's just the way God prophesied it. That's the way God done it. That's God's plan. That's just going to happen. So, but if it is the way it is, I understand that. And I can accept that. But I also understand that God's made a plan for us. And that means that we don't have to deal with all this craziness that's going to happen. So, uh, I was kind of, I was just kind of very in, in heavy thought, really, while I was reading this. And I was thinking, you know, not only was it the United States, but it's a repeat. It's like, uh, you know, how many times did the Israelites 
when they left Egypt, just turned their back on God. And then God left them out there for 40 years. Everybody that died, they didn't go to Canaan into the promised land. And it's because they didn't believe God. They, did, they, they turned their back on God. So in my personal opinion, I think that a lot of things that's happening is a lot of people are turning their backs on God. And uh, I know that in my, uh, in my walk with, with Jesus, a lot of moments... I try to re- depend on myself and uh, really, t- I don't want to say turn my back on God because I don't do that, but I turn my focus away from God. And when I turn my focus away from God, it can really get me into a depressed thought of what all is going on. That people just don't even realize it's happening. It's happening now. And there's got to be an urgency on, on our hearts to get it out there and say, you know what? This is happening and this is going to get worse. But you don't have to deal with it, you know. So it's just like you've got to, uh, well, I've got to be able to, to speak boldly about my faith to people and tell them the truth and let them know that, you know, the world is going to get rough. The world is going to get bad. It's going to get really, really bad. But there is a way that we don't have to deal with that badness. And, and people are just, they're just all about, you know, corruption and all about taking money and, and getting, storing up their own riches, building big houses and all this other stuff. I mean, God love them. If that's all they want, that's all they're going to get. And sometimes I just think to myself, it'd be great to have a nice house on the lake, but good Lord knows that my house is going to be a whole lot better in heaven than that is on the lake any day. So I just, I get really, I'm really, really concerned about, you know, the things that's happening. And it's not only uh, that I'm uh, concerned about what's happening because I know it's going to happen. It's more than I'm concerned about the people that's here. That the people, that's just like my family. I have a lot of family members that is not walking with God. I'm not going to say they're not saved and I'm not going to say they don't know Jesus, but I know they're not walking with God. And I also know that there's some of them that I know that's not saved. So I'm very worried and concerned about them. But I'm thinking, well, if I'm so worried and concerned about it, God says, well, why don't you go tell them? And you know, um, to me, my family is harder to talk to about God than a stranger. I don't know why. I guess because they know my past and they're going to, well, maybe he's going through another phase, you know, and all this other stuff. But it just seems like the, the more I get into contact with my family and the more they see that I don't, I don't cuss anymore, I don't, of course, not in that lifestyle anymore, and all these other things, they're just waiting for the other shoe to fall. So every time I try to talk to them about Jesus, they're like, well... It's another phase. I'm thinking, well, if it's a phase I'm in, I'm going to be in this to the very moment I take my last breath. So here we go. Let's go. So, so it was, it's just kind of, it's just kind of really, I just want to read a little bit of Habakkuk too. <clears throat> then the Lord said to me, he's talking to Habakkuk, write my answer plainly on tablets. Let me make sure I'm in the right place. No, this is, where, this is where Habakkuk questions God. He says, Oh, Lord, my God, my Holy One, you who are eternal, surely you do not plan to wipe us out. Oh, Lord, our rock, you have sent these Babylonians to correct us, to punish us for our many sins. But you are pure and, ev- you are pure and cannot stand the sight of evil. Will you wink at their treachery? Should you be silent while the wicked swallow up people more righteous than they? And it goes on to say that the, God is going to take care of the Jude, Judeans or Judeans, the people in Judah. He's going to take care of the people in Judah 
by sending an even more evil group of people, which is the Babylonians. So he's going to take care of that state of Judah by sending people that are even more evil than the people in Judah. So I'm thinking, so he's going to take care of the United States. And who's the evil that he's going to send here? So I'm telling you, it just, it really got me to thinking about the, just, just where the world is right now and how, how things are coming to pass. But and then Habakkuk says, I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. I'm sorry, Travis, this is chapter two. <laughs> there I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaints. So see, Habakkuk goes to God in complaining about how, how he's not dealing with, he's not, he's, He's not answering his prayer about helping his, his, his region, his life, his, his home, helping his homeland. So he's asking God, why, why is it that these wicked people are doing these wicked things and you're not doing anything about it? And then he even goes on and says, God, do you hear me? God, are you listening to me? I mean, he just keeps going on in God's, and that's something that we don't want to do because I don't know myself, it was instilled in me, you don't question God, you know. That's been in my brain ever since I knew what church was. You don't question God. Well, that's okay to question God because God, wants, God knows already that we're questioning it. God already knows what the answer is that he wants to give us, but we have to actually ask him. So when Habakkuk asks him, God answers. And I wrote that down. Yeah, God answered, he is going to deal with Judah by sending even more violent people to judge them. And the second time that uh, Habakkuk asked him, questioned him, he said, well, why would God use evil people to chastise his people? And God's answer was, his justice for both Judah and the Babylonians for not maintaining God's high standards of faith and morality. You know, Christians are... I don't know if I should say it this way, but I personally want to have that high standard of God. I do not want to back down and say, well, you know, it's okay if, uh, it's okay if I go out and have multiple partners, you know, sex partners, whatever. It's okay because I didn't murder nobody during the process. I mean, I don't want to go down to that standard of what the, what the world wants us to see. I want to live the standard of God and and it's not that I'm holier than thou, or it's not that I'm uh, boasting about how good I am. It's not that at all. God has a standard, and that standard is uh, morals. I mean, moral standard. God gives us that. Ten Commandments is the very good example of that. I mean, you know, so he expects us to live at his standards. He don't expect us to bow down to everybody that comes along and says, oh, you're fine. It's fine. No, it's not fine. If it's not by God's standards and his moral uh, teachings that he wants us to not only learn, but to give out to people as well, if we can't live up to that, then God help us. So, and God lists his, change, his charges against all who are corrupt and do injustice and acts extortion, dishonest dealings, murder and corruption, disgraceful acts, devotion to idolatry, and the opposite of violence Ill-gotten wealth is the awareness of the glory of the Lord. See, we all know that this world is going to come to an end eventually. We all know that. I mean, it's written, and it's going to happen. And when it does happen, 
during all this bad stuff that's going to happen, we can see the world as it is, or we can see that Jesus is coming, and Jesus is coming soon. Because what the world is out there that, he, that the world wants us to see is the destruction, is the corruption. Is, it's okay to be corrupt. It's okay. You're fine. I mean, that's exactly what the world is throwing at us all the day, all day, every day. I mean, they want us to think that we're okay and everything's fine and, you know, hunky-dory and all that stuff. When God says, if you don't live by my morals, by my standards, then why are you there? I mean, Jesus saved us. And when he saved our souls, he, he didn't save our souls to just say, stand by and watch the world go crazy and not do nothing about it. I mean, I, I can sit back and I can see, I'm just going to use my family for example. I have a niece, I love her dearly. And if she sees this, she'll kill me. But I, I love her dearly. And she, she does some great, great things. And sometimes when she does great things, she'll do 20 bad things. And I'm like, oh my God, just, you know, God love her. But she's, she's got a good heart. And I know she's saved and all that, but I know that she's not always living for Jesus. But anyways, I'm not bringing her up to, to talk ill over. It's because I love her so much, and I know that she knows Jesus, but I also know that the world is a big influence. And people that is not strong in God, not strong in his faith, not strong in, in, his, in his world, in his life, then we are very easily swayed back and forth. I mean, it's not just my niece, it's everybody. We're all easily swayed. And if we're not, if we're not digging into Jesus and hanging on tight to, to him, then we're going to get carried off in the wind. I mean, it's just going to happen because I put all my faith and all my trust in Jesus, and, and I know that he won't let me down. And sometimes, you know, I fail to, fail to do that, I failed to put my, my trust in him and my faith in him. And, and when I failed to do that, I either find myself in a situation that I really don't want to be in or I find myself being hurt, you know, by, uh, by people, by circumstance, by uh, just, you know, just anything and everything. But, but if you don't keep your focus on Jesus, the hurt and the pain is so deep that it starts all these other domino effects. Okay, so this person hurt me. Well, this person hurt me. They're friends. She don't like me. And this person, they're, they're husbands, and he don't like me no more. And, and it just starts all kind of craziness in your mind. And when you start that craziness in your mind, that's where Satan likes to come and get a, a, a little foothold in there. He likes to say, oh, you're thinking this. Okay. I mean, Satan cannot read our minds. I don't know if y'all know that, but Satan cannot read our minds. He is not sovereign. He is not everywhere like God is. And that's why he has to have his little demons to go in everywhere. But when they hear the, uh, the ammunition that you give them, like, well, you're talking to a friend or something, and you say, well, you know what, I'm concerned about, I don't know, I'm, I'm concerned about going in debt or whatever, whatever, you, you fill in the blank. And then when you say that out loud, then demons heard it, and they go and they, they start talking to their buddies, and then all kind of crap happens. So if we stand, if we can live up to God's standards, which we're, I'm not saying we're perfect. We never will be until we, until we wake up in heaven. But if we can live up to God's standards here, then whatever the world is out there, it is what it is, and they can have it. Because I know my world is not this one. My world is with Jesus. And I'm just passing through this one. Thank you, Jesus. Very, very thankful for that.
Habakkuk says a prayer at the end of chapter 3. And Habakkuk was a, I was reading this earlier. Habakkuk, they said that some of the scholars say that he was a Levite. And a Levite uh, is the priest and that sort of thing. And he was very musical. He had he had a he had a very beautiful voice, and also he knew how to do how to do the string instruments, and so all these things that's in Habakkuk is either a a song or a prayer in song, and I just I just think that's awesome. I mean I do, but anyway, um, the chap, uh, chapter three verse sixteen. I trembled inside when I heard this. My lips quivered with fear. My legs gave way beneath me, and I shook in terror. I will wait quietly for the coming day when disaster will strike the people who invade us. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer able to tread upon the heights. So to me, I could get into the world and I can watch a whole lot of news and I can watch a whole lot of these bad things, the social media and all this other stuff. I could watch all that stuff and I could get so engrossed into what's happening in this world right now that I wouldn't walk, I wouldn't walk out of these walls. I'd be like, no, there's no safe place out there. Parking lot's not safe. I mean, I'm not going anywhere. My vehicle might as well just sell it. I'm not going anywhere no more. So sometimes when we get in that state, it can, of course, start depression and all this other stuff. It's a mental, it's a mental thing, big time. So when I can get into the world like that, that means I can get into Jesus and know that it's going to be okay. I'm going to see horrific things, I can imagine. I'm going to see bad things happen to good people from here till the end of eternity. I, I can, or from here to the end of this world. I'm going to see a lot of things that I don't want to see. But I've seen already a lot of things I haven't wanted to see. So when thinking about, thinking about the state of a region or the state of a country, I'm thinking, well, if this world here is so bad, what's the world like in Europe? Or what's the world like on, the, on an island like Iceland or Greenland that's out in the middle of the ocean up, up there on the top of the world? I mean, is it different? I mean, are they going to, are they seeing the things that we're seeing here? But I know that their lives are a lot different because, you know, I love to, I love the lands, all the Iceland, England and all that. So I do a lot of, a lot of looking and researching on that. I know that Iceland is totally self-sufficient. They don't have to worry about any kind of imports from anywhere. They take care of their own, their self. And I think that's very cool. So will they see what's happening in the world like we see here? I don't know because they're totally sufficient. So it's just, and when God says that, you know, this world is going to an end, just like in Revelation, we just come out of Revelation study not too long ago, and, and that Revelation is a good book. I mean, it is a book that is really, really good. A lot of people won't touch it because they're afraid of it, and a lot of people won't touch it because they can't understand it. A lot of people won't touch it because it's beyond their imagination of the things that can happen. But when you get into it and you start really start really studying it, it's, it's a thing that's going to affect the whole world. I mean, it's not just going to be over in Jerusalem and Egypt and all that. It's going to be the whole world that it affects. And 
when God splits that eastern sky, when Jesus comes back, the whole world is going to see him. It's not just going to be Jerusalem sees him or Hawaii sees him. No, the whole world is going to see that he's back. So it's not going to be something that's going to be isolated to this region or that region. It's going to be everywhere. So when God promises that he's going to come back, then I try to see the world as it is. Okay, that's the way it is. It is what it is. But you know what? Jesus is coming. And when Jesus is coming, that means I don't have to deal with this. And then people will look at you like you got three heads when you start talking about, you know, uh, heaven and the new earth and the new heaven and all this great, great stuff that God's got for us. I mean, there's so much good that God's got for us. But in order for us to get there, God has to get everybody to, that he was, knows is going to come to him to him before we can get there. So the last verse of the Bible, the last three words of the Bible says, uh, come Lord Jesus. So there's a lot of times I'm sitting around thinking, Lord, just come right now. You know, but that could be a very selfish prayer if I said that minute, because there might be people out there right now that still don't know Jesus. And if he came now because I prayed it, then, you know, how many would how many would die and not know him? So so but it does get to a point and it will get to a point. From here on out, as the world goes, and as we know, the world will go further and further south. We know that. And I think that when we get to that point to where we're saying, Lord, you know, come Lord Jesus, maybe we should be saying, Lord, let me go. Let me go somewhere. You know, go somewhere that needs me. Go somewhere that to someone. Let me go to someone that needs me or someone that needs you through me. Take me there. Um, because it's going to get rough. The world's going to get rough, and uh, it's going to not be pretty. It's going to be very terrifying, and it's going to be very exciting at the same time. Because I've got Jesus, to me, it's very exciting. The terrifying things that are happening, I'm going to, I'm going to not like, obviously, especially for terrifying things that would happen to people that I love. That does not excite me at all. That makes me very sad. But I also know, but God, I know that God can turn that around to where they're going to go with us. They're going to go with us to heaven. So, all right, come Lord Jesus, you know. So I'm excited about, excited about that. So, so that's kind of like it was for the, Judy, the people of Judah. It's kind of like it was there. And, and God, God just was telling Habakkuk, trying to comfort Habakkuk in this world of chaos that was happening around him. He was trying to, to comfort Habakkuk and let him know that the wicked will be, will be punished. The, the, the thieves and the all idolatries and all these, they will be dealt with. I mean, that's God's judgment. That's going to happen. Might not happen when Habakkuk thought it would happen. Might not happen when we think it's going to happen. But it's going to happen because that's God's promise. And God is not ever going to fall short of any of his promises. I mean, that's just, that's just God. He's too good for that. Way too good for that. Even Habakkuk was, even in, the, in that little passage that we sung, he, his lips quivered and, he was, and his knees trembled in terror and all that. I mean, he, he'd done all that with the mindset of going to the only one that could give him the answers that he was looking for. 
I mean, scholars and all these other good people that does all these studies, that's all they do is read and study the Bible. That's the theologians and all that. That's all they do is the Bible, which would be a great job. But that's all they do. But Habakkuk knew that all these things was happening. He didn't have the answers. He didn't know how to deal with it. So in his mind, he's like, oh, my gosh, we're all going to die. We're all going to die. And me, too, you know. So, So he goes to God with all these questions and all these concerns and all these worries to where it's okay to ask God for those answers to those questions. A lot of times I don't want to ask God a question because I don't know if I want the answer or not. So sometimes it's it's better to have the answer than not. And sometimes it's better to not have the answer and wish you did. Because sometimes the answer is not going to be good no way. Sometimes the answer will even cause more pain than the act or the situation. So I think with Habakkuk, or Habakkuk, or however you want to put it, that's pretty neat trying to say it actually, Habakkuk. But anyways, I think Habakkuk's questions, um, God's inactivity of not doing anything, and, and I find myself asking God questions right now just like that. You know, God, why do, why do we have to do with it or deal with this, or uh, how much longer is this going to happen, and how much more are we going to... Uh, I mean, we're going to suffer here. I mean, we're going to suffer just simply because we're Christians and we're God's children. We are going to do that eventually. And I'm thinking the other people that are already suffering in other countries, you know, I'm thinking, oh, Lord, you know, how much more, how much more? But to them over there, the moment that that time comes that they no longer breathe in this war, in this body, they're with Jesus. So it's like, okay, I can see that. So... All right. And in, uh, somewhere it says, uh, God says, don't fear man that can hurt the body, but fear the God that can hurt, uh, separate bone from marrow. So, and, you know, condemn your soul. So, so what evil can man do to your body that would only just get you to Jesus a whole lot quicker? I mean, it's not going to be pretty. It's going to probably hurt. I'd imagine, <laughs> but I just know that I just know that I can have that comfort and that love from Jesus, knowing that whatever hor- horrendous things that might happen here to me or to my family or to my friends, I just have that comfort knowing that they're going to see Jesus today. You know, they're going to go and get a hug from Jesus today. So. So with that, it's just a little bit of a, a little bit of encouragement that, you know, the world is going to get rough. We all know that it already is, and it's going to continue to do so. And I just, I just, I don't know why, but that's what I got out of this. Well, I do know why. Jesus put it on my heart, but, but I got out of this that even then, the world was corrupt. Even then, the world was bad. And even when Habakkuk was on the, was walking the ground, walking on the earth, even then. God was still there for comfort. And it just makes me so, so happy to know Jesus and to know God and to know that, that it doesn't matter what Satan wants to throw at us. I mean, obviously he's going to throw some pretty good, pretty hard stuff eventually. And it doesn't matter because God is here 
And he loves us, and he's going to comfort us. And as long as we're a child of his, he's going to bring us home one day. And that's, that's the day that I hope for. That's where my hope's at, is in him. It's not in anything in this world can give me. It's not in anything any man can give me. It's all in him. So the hope is, the hope is Jesus. And he promised that he went to go make a home for me. So where he is, I can go too. So that's what's, that's what's going to happen. So Habakkuk is a very short book. It's only three chapters. And it just seemed like, seemed like when I was over reading it, it just seemed like there was a whole lot of goodness in Habakkuk. Because I don't spend a whole lot of time in Habakkuk. I never have until today. And, uh, and as I was reading it, as I was talking to Josh, as I was reading it, I was like, oh, my God, that's like right here, right now. <laughs> so, so I was kind of excited about what God was going to say and what he was going to do. Um, so I was not sure... I hope you guys got something out of this, because uh, it was not, it was not, I didn't get to think on it like I like to think on things. <laughs> um, I didn't have that much time to do that, but uh, but I do hope that God has God is giving you something. Um, don't have a whole lot more to say, except, you know, thank you, Jesus, for making it a way to where I won't have to deal with all this that's coming. And that that just... To me, that is, a, that is a peace and a comfort that only Jesus can give me. I mean, only Jesus can give me that thought and that, and that comfort, knowing the bad things that a lot of people are going to have to deal with, including myself, and just knowing that, you know what, it's okay. It's all right. What are they going to do? Do it until you're not breathing, and then what happens when you're not breathing? You go to Jesus. That's right. So, so I do hope you all got something. I know it's not very long thing but um but if you want to dig more into it Habakkuk is a really good book I, I'm certainly going to do it but 